1: And welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast where we read them so you don't have to because I'm a cowboy. <laughs> Wheel on Steel Horse I Ride. <laughs> my name is Kevin and I'm joined as always by my co host Benedict, who is wanted dead or alive.
2: Can I just say, Kevin is going to be in Jersey for approximately two <laughs> hours? <laughs>
1: No? And that's—it's okay. really
2: been overtaken by by the the Lord and Savior Bon Jovi. <laughs> Isn't
1: my train gonna be in Jersey for a little while too? Uh, I think I will be passing maybe, through Jersey at yeah, some it depends, point. Depends depends which know. way you're coming. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it'll you're either coming. be Pennsylvania or New Jersey. I'm not yeah. sure where the train. Yeah, tracks so
2: maybe a grand go. total of three and a half hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Benedict, what's the longest yeah. you've ever spent on a train?
2: Oh, good question. Um, I think probably like six hours okay well hold on hold on hold on important caveats mm-hmm. yes are we counting delay day? time? no no not delay time but like is a train change does that count so if i go from one station to the next mm-hmm. and then the same day take another train how does long that is the,
1: how long is the break in between trains
2: uh say an
1: hour max oh that's yeah that, that's yeah that's that trended. counts that, that counts as one
2: Okay, cool. Um, then probably it's a like continuous seven, journey. Seven hours.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm about to do it for thirty five. <laughs> That's a
2: fucking long time. <laughs> what was the one you did to um,
1: Chicago? Chica- Chicago's, was Chicago's Chicago? only like six and a half hours.
2: Okay. Uh, I've done the longest one here. I've done to New York to DC, which is like. Uh, the, no, on I've the acela new... that's like four hours. no no i've done new that's york, like york three, to boston new york to boston on the slow train is like okay. four and a half
1: on the northeast regional yeah, it's, yeah. that one's that one takes a little while yeah, the acela the... dc to new york is is it's nothing. like two hours it's, yeah it's yeah, super fast um, uh but yeah, yeah so we've we've said before i'm coming to visit you in new york uh this upcoming weekend yep uh and i decided to book a train for the whole mm. trip so uh my journey to quote
2: kevin at the time choo choo motherfucker." <laughs>
1: My journey begins on Thursday. Uh, got to go up to Chicago first, and then I'll be heading uh, on the long overnight train to New York. I'm excited because yeah, me too. A- and and my partner, we were in the hot tub the other night, and we were talking about this, and she's like, "Why don't you just fly? It's so much faster." I'm like, "It's the journey. The I repeat, part Choo, of the
2: choo motherfucker." Yeah.
1: I'm gonna enjoy the sights. I so I did. I did pay for a private room, so oh, I, nice. I did do that. So I have like a little sleep. It's a, a small room. I got a cot. I'm not a cop, mm. but I've got like a fold-down bed uh, mm. and a little desk and a nice little chair. I'll be in there chilling Are out, you working, working on the way? I'll be working on the way. I'll be doing some stuff, and I'll probably be preparing for, for our next show. Uh, mm. So uh, it's nice. I'm I'm very excited for this because this will be the longest train ride I've ever been on. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty damn so long So how long ride. is
2: the Chicago to New York leg?
1: Like? Chicago to New York, I can tell you right now because I just got an email that had uh, the itinerary yeah. for it. Hell from yeah. the lovely folks over at Amtrak. So the Chicago to New York leg leaves Chicago at 9:30 p.m. Uh, and arrives in New York at 6:42 p.m. Okay, so, so it's fully like 21 hours. hours. Yeah. So I, maybe it's not 30 something hours total, but I do have a long layover in Chicago before I get yeah. on the New York train. So I'll be going, uh, you know, uh, doing some stuff there, uh, and then getting on the train in the evening and, and heading nice. over. I'm super excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: For the train
1: or to see me? Um, Both! Both! (laughs) We're going to see the play that goes wrong uh, in uh, New York when I'm there, so that'll be a lot of fun. I'm super excited. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, me too. I haven't done any traveling, really, this year, other than uh, a handful of things.
2: Uh, (laughs) Other than the cruise that I went on. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, I talked about how the cruise was maybe a little bit more anxiety-inducing than it was relieving. Uh, some yeah. of the some of the people that were on there. But, but that's
2: always the problem, is people.
1: Yeah, the problem is people. I have a private room this time. No people. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Anyways, Benedict, you probably know what it is that we've done mm-hmm. on this, what we do on this pro- mm. uh, present tense on yeah. this program. Other folks. <laughs> what we done did. <laughs> folks who have never spent 20 plus hours on a train, they might not know exactly what it is we do here. And them, I would say... <laughs> The show where you go a deep, a deep, deep, deep to plumb the depths of right wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative literature. And in between, taking a look at other examples. The right doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off this week. Blah, 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 blah. Do you have? A hot take for us this week.
2: I do. It's, nothing makes me more fascist than spending time on the internet. <laughs> like seeing people who have free speech and the dumb things that people say, I'm like, you know what? Maybe people need permission to speak. It's your I vengeful
1: like... impulses <laughs> that come out every now and then.
2: <laughs> I'm like, well, because now it's like all the like, uh, f- I still spend some time on Twitter slash X, whatever. I now, I'm not really a The only a time punkster. it's
1: acceptable to dead name is with Twitter.
2: I'm not really a poster as as people that follow me know but like it's now I'm a lurker but it's now doing Mm. all the rounds of like these were the worst tweets of the year and I'm just (laughs) like look maybe we should just switch it all off like maybe kindergarten has it right you need like a talking talking permission thing to to be able to to speak your mind I don't know but I'm working on the ideals around it but I think maybe I am fascist I don't know what (laughs) happened (laughs)
1: Turns out Josh Hall, he was right about <laughs> yeah, you t- all along.
2: Look, turns out <laughs> yeah. I'm married, I'm slowly turning into a fascist. <laughs> <laughs> Step one oh dear anyway yeah i'm not sure but also like tiktok's no better like i like everyone's no. fucking like yeah i saw the other day like if gen z is going to be the first generation that's immune to propaganda are they fuck
0: no, i've seen them
2: absolutely convinced that all kinds of bullshit is true based off of tiktok and you know what me too i've believed some stupid shit in the past i thought tupac wasn't really dead for like a <laughs> solid two years <laughs> You know,
1: it, we, like, all we're all, we're we all, all have there. dreams. we all Yeah,
2: exactly. We all do it. No, it's man, just, I
1: think uh, Cory Doctorow was really right when he wrote about inshittification. I think yeah, he was that's probably, such a good point. It's so really good. He's fucking right about all that. It's so good. Uh, it's I recommended such a good his point. most recent book already, I think.
2: I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, um, what's your hot take, anyway?
1: My hot take better than. <laughs> How
2: would you like to be a fascist? <laughs> you're, also, you're allowed one fascist impulse this week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my hot take, also Twitter related. <laughs> Ah, this Alex Jones shit's kind of bad man.
0: Mm, yeah,
2: are you it, yeah, not good. Mm. although I do I do feel somewhat and I think this has been the take that I've seen is that he's somewhat of a spent force.
1: I think that they're really trying to propel him and give him new energy and uh, refuel him as it were. Folks are like they Tucker just trying to Elon give him loans. money so
2: he can pay his bills like, I, what's the well,
1: I don't fucking know but the, so Tucker Carlson. Um uh, Dan over at Knowledge Fight said this, I think, about the Tucker Carlson Alex Jones interview, um, which is that the 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 reason why none of this why this is happening is because none of these people are serious people. Mm. Um and I think I agree with him, but I think I I I have a different take on what that means.
2: They might not be serious people, but they're a serious problem.
1: Yeah, I, I think Dan meant it in the sense of these aren't serious people, they're ridiculous, they believe stupid shit. I think they're not serious people because they don't have firm convictions about what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that Tucker Carlson knows that Alex Jones is a liar. He knows that the clips he played where Alex predicted 9-11 and then Tucker lied about the clips he had just played on his own show, what they said. He knows that they don't say the things that they say. He just doesn't care because Mm -hmm. he only only cares about the propaganda. That's all Tucker Carlson cares about. Elon Musk... Well, you know, he's dumb enough to maybe actually. (laughs) Who knows what's
2: going on in his brain? Who
1: the fuck knows? Brain is
2: absolutely turned to mush.
1: But so many of these people, right? Matt fucking Gates was on a Twitter space with Elon and Alex Jones and all these people. Like three, four years ago, Matt Gates did a spot. We played it, I think, on Alex Jones's show. And then afterwards had to backtrack and say how he, he thought Alex Jones was wrong and bad and shit. He knows that Alex Jones is full of shit. He doesn't care. It's the propaganda. That's what matters. And if they push their side to be even crazier and weirder, then they know that they'll be able to continue to maintain some semblance of power because once you've gone off some level of right-wing weirdness, it is incredibly hard to bring you back from it. And I think that might be what they're aiming for.
2: We've talked about this before, though, in the sense that like, I almost... I, like, I I don't think it's new that Tucker Carlson is promoting Alex's Jones. As no, ideas. he's
1: sort of done like it in the past, but never to this level.
2: He's kind of laundered ideas. And I think that's maybe the difference, is that he's always laundered the ideas, mm-hmm. and then they've made their way up the mainstream within the right, and like the crazier ones get chopped off, and then like the just the, the ones where people are like, ah, I don't know, but maybe make their way up right and that those are the ones that end up in in the more mainstream conversation but to outright be like hey this guy's cool is different you're right yeah but also like it's just a weird thing to do because like everybody it's not like some obscure like
1: okay you know it's not it's not
2: it's not like Milo. It's not like bringing Milo Yiannopoulos in and being like, "Listen to this guy's ideas. He's new and fresh and cool." Like it's yeah. Alex Jones.
1: Like okay, but you did make me think of the fact that okay, remember, not more than like two months ago, uh, Tucker had a full on interview with the guy. The guy who claimed that he blew Obama in the back of for some blow. Yeah, like,
2: <laughs> we'll blow for blow. Just <laughs> absolutely.
1: So. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe, um, maybe Tucker just can't get the best of the best anymore. Maybe yeah, well, is he launching a, a streaming platform? Yeah, that was just announced today. Yeah, he's got yeah. a fucking streaming platform. Jesus Christ! <laughs> if it's free, a I guarantee next. you, we'll be yeah, looking like, at some of their content. Yeah, no, I'm not paying him a free. fucking I, dime. I
2: think it. I think it's paid. Oh, that's bullshit! Whatever gets leaked, we'll cover.
1: Uh, yep. <laughs> Anyways, Thanks. moving on, Benedict. What is on your bookshelf this week?
2: Um, it actually came up from a conversation we just had just before the show, but it's that YouTube channel. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's either Drumeo or Drumeo or mm-hmm. whatever it yep. is. Um, And basically, it's just like they get drummers on to do cool shit. Yeah. Basically. And like as someone who has like a minimally musical background, like I understand music to the most minute, like I played guitar mm-hmm. to a very average level. I, I think it's so cool to watch drummers figure mm. shit out on the fly, yeah. And it's like, so they give people um like for, my for, so
1: for for an idea of what Benedict's talking about for those who don't know, you've all seen the clip on TikTok of Chad Smith drumming to do Lipa's track mm. that he was on. It's from that. Uh, Right. That that's and th- all the TikTokers who stole that clip and posted it as though they were owned to make a buck, right. Yeah. Go, go follow the actual Drumeo yeah. TikTok account so you can but see But the
2: thing stuff. that brought me to it was them being like uh this like drummer hears something completely out of their normal genre for the first time and tries to like replicate it. So they gave some they gave like a pop drummer for like a you know, like a Dua Lipa style thing, mm-hmm. I guess. Or who's the other person that's like that? I forget. Uh, they oh, had like,
1: the, the I think it was the drummer from Megadeth.
2: Yeah, so that's. But so I was gonna say, yeah, her. It's like a pop, like Ariana Grande style drummer. They gave her Slipknot to try and play along to, <laughs> uh, which and she did so good. Like she really like. And and like it wasn't the same, obviously. But and then you they played the, it with the actual drums, and she's like, oh fuck, that's really cool. So yeah, like, yeah, okay, cool. And then they gave the. It's either Megadeth. I, I think it was Megadeth. Was it? That they I gave. I don't remember it. Yeah. Um, they gave Mr. Brightside too and it just he came up with, like and it, what it hammered home for me was like how different the drums can make something feel yeah. even if everything else is the same and I never really appreciated that so I think that's really cool
1: uh, it's it's really fantastic I love it too I'm really glad that you brought it up because yep. I do really enjoy that
2: it's fun uh, what about you what's on, what's on your bookshelf
1: for me Benedict uh, a long time ago long long time ago uh, in a I, galaxy far, uh, far away I mentioned on the show a book uh, which uh, I was very excited for, called mm. Bayou of Pigs, uh, which I think you might remember because you loved that title so much. Bayou yeah, I did. Pigs. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, and it's about this incident that happened with the invasion of a small Caribbean nation.
2: Oh, uh, was it when they tried to invade Grenada or whatever? No, Dominica. Was it Grenada? Dominica.
1: Uh, Dominica. Dominica. And um, I hadn't read it at the time, but I had read like summaries that misstated the ideas in it. Uh, mm. I have now read it and it's great. You should check it out. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not, uh, remember when back this happened, we were talking about Rand Paul and Ron Paul yeah. and shit. And maybe Ron Paul knew about these white supremacists who were going to invade this small island. Uh, and, and I don't, uh, now reading the book, I don't think that Ron Paul actually knew anything about it. No, that's a shame. It. Uh, and it's a bit more complicated than it sounded. Like, all the people involved were white supremacists. They cool. weren't necessarily trying to invade this island because of white supremacy. They sort of just wanted a bunch of money so they could go be rich white supremacists.
0: Um,
2: that checks out.
1: <laughs> interesting stuff. Definitely check out the book. Um, it is by, who wrote it? Uh, Bell, uh, Stuart Bell. Stuart Bell is who wrote the book. It was really entertaining. I liked okay. it, so go check it, it out. It sounds good. Anyways, Benedict, on to housekeeping this week. Remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Follow us on the social medias at NYGBC Pod on Twitter and at NYGBC Ben. Uh, updates. I have one update this week. sole update. Mm. Uh, I, Benedict, I was wrong. Oh. About Gregory House's sidekick being named Watson. Mm. It is, in fact, James Wilson.
2: Mm, still close enough. They that you're kept, like, yeah. you know,
1: yeah, they did it on purpose. It's yeah. it's an allegory for 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 Sherlock Holmes. They did. It and on
2: House purpose. is really quite similar to Holmes. Exactly. It's
1: come on. It's on literally purpose.
2: literally House and Home. Yes, so
1: exactly. And Sherlock and Gregory. Uh same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but same. but I was incorrect, and that means I do have to induct the person who corrected me on Twitter into the spooky world, new world order. Blah. And that is, of course, Chris Wollert at C-W-O-L-E-R-T. Give him a follow on Twitter. You are now part of our...
2: New World Spooky
1: World Order, blood. Thank you very much, You can't Benedict.
2: get mad at me every time you forget to do the fucking loading thing. You can't well, get mad when I do it point, badly. at this point,
1: several people have said, I like Benedict doing it and I want it to stay. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it's a small sample And this is how we size. win the hearts
2: and minds. It's a small
1: sample size of people who have weighed in either way, but still. Yeah. It's uh... like two people said
2: they liked <laughs> it. So. Exactly.
1: If you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending it to others, and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can and drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity. Become a patron. Or just get my attention with something good. With all that out of the way, Benedict, we have a video clip for this week. Mm, Uh, Because it's a short chapter. This video clip, it is not, I will say, it is not a Josh Hawley video. Okay. But it is a video that is relevant to this chapter. Right. And I think once you listen for a brief moment, you will understand why.
0: There is a pandemic in the Western world. Yes, it's Dennis Prager. It's a Prager U five minute video.
2: Is it the Especially, same thing but... that um Andrew Tate and Alex Jones and Elon Musk were talking about <laughs> that we need to have more children is that what it no, is No
1: no no although I'm glad i should I'm glad search you did not play catalog. that space yeah. I should search their back catalog and see if PragerU has any uh pro is it pro, pro natalism right that would be it pro natalism yeah, presumably. Videos, something like
2: A that pro forced breeding yep. yeah mm-hmm. not good
1: Well I mean that's just the, vent, the the general gist of their entire
0: Policy platform being, yeah, but not only in America that few are talking about, let alone addressing
2: Dennis Prager's receding hairline.
1: <laughs> Don't interrupt. Sorry,
0: doesn't actually kill people,
2: it's not a
0: pandemic, but it does ruin lives, crush families, and cause debilitating pain Pause far it. more than uh huh.
2: Is it not having family at Thanksgiving because they hate you?
0: Close in most cases of COVID 19. <laughs> Cool. What pandemic am I talking about? The pandemic of people who do not speak to one or both of their parents.
2: That's it. There you go. See? Exactly that. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it.
0: And
1: for those not already in the know, this chapter this week is titled Father, mm. and uh, I tried to find an excuse to play this video for you a couple weeks ago, and I, I wasn't going to let it go. I no, wasn't going to let funny. it go. I really <laughs> needed to get it out here. <laughs>
0: Why have these people decided to hurt their parents in one of the worst ways possible?
2: Pause it. Presumably because their parents have done something to hurt them. Nobody just does that. Yeah,
0: they
1: probably suck. They probably suck.
0: The extent of not even allowing their parents contact with their grandchildren. Mm. There are three primary reasons. The first is the rise of the therapeutic mentality. Mm -hmm. Therapeutic mentality. All right. Yeah. Prior to the explosion of psychotherapy people were governed by shoulds but beginning in the 1960s the therapeutic model replaced the moral model as the guide to one's behavior a popular phrase at the time was there are no shoulds i'll use a family story
1: okay prager is still mad about that one time he was forced to go to therapy back in the 60s
2: yeah but also like i i kind of don't care i don't either
1: <laughs> i don't either It's a dumb dumb point. It's a dumb
2: point. It's none of your business. But also, like, I I do sort of agree that there is kind of this, uh, within therapy, and and by no means an expert, obviously, like, it does seem like they do try and get you to be like, and how did your parents cause that? (laughs) Which is (laughs) fine and probably often true, but, like, if I hadn't realized, you don't need to help me realize. Look,
1: (laughs) I just, when I was watching this through the first time, I just went, oh, I didn't realize Dennis Prager was a Scientologist.
2: Yeah.
0: Story to illustrate this point: Despite the fact that his mother was a very difficult woman, my father called her every night, and every night she would yell at him. As- okay, then don't call every night. Yeah, I mean, don't why is call that good? every night.
2: Why is that good?
1: I don't know. Yeah, do- who, Dennis isn't going to try and tell us who why is it's that good
2: for because she's clearly not happy about it. She's yelling at him.
1: I don't know. Maybe she's one of those weird people who who just gets off on yelling at people i don't know
0: as a child i heard this because instead of holding the phone to his ear my father would periodically place the phone on the kitchen table had my father been born a generation later and told a therapist how much he dreaded calling his mother the therapist would likely have led my father to believe there was no reason he should talk to her yeah, okay. that's correct. Yeah. Why? Why? Like, clearly
2: it's not bringing either of them any joy. Like, she's yelling at nobody, and he is leaving the phone on the kitchen counter for his kids to hear. What the fuck?
1: I think there's this interesting thing that maybe I'm just picking up on, where for Dennis, uh, the, only, the only moral imperative is, well, no, maybe that's not the right way to frame oh, no, it. But
2: oh, no, the right, honor thy father.
1: No, no, but, well, that certainly is something we know Dennis cares about very much. But I think this, this it's this thing of, uh, well, there are a lot of things that you don't need a reason for. Mm. They're, just, they're just, just don't think about it. You just have to do it. Doesn't need to be a reason for it. Yep. I think that's something. That's something for Dennis.
0: The therapist would have declared my grandmother
1: toxic. And would have been Correct.
2: I really thought you'd play the nice bit there. I think I just
1: <laughs> broke Prager U because I hit the space bar too hard when I was trying to get it to play <laughs> again. <laughs> well, Prager U is frozen, so I guess uh, we're done with the clip but, for the week. Uh, but Benedict-
2: yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so look, I mean, you know, everyone deserves second chances. But not know third, know fourth, Josh. and fifth chances. I don't know. No, about but Josh. I mean I'd say he's exhausted his second chance and is sure. probably on to his eleventh thousandth.
1: Here's hoping that someday Josh has to send that video to his children. Also, uh,
2: sorry, not everyone deserves second chances. That's a lie. It depends how bad the first they fucked up the first mm-hmm, chance. Yeah,
1: yeah, good point. Good point. Everyone
2: everyone deserves a first chance.
1: I think Dennis would say that that your parents deserve infinite chances, which is wrong. Which it is, is wrong. wrong. If your parents are pieces of shit, it's okay to cut them off. That's yep. uh, that's just how we are. Anyways, and actually, but, probably, good. Yes. Anyways, Benedict, that brings us to Chapter 6 of Manhood mm-hmm. by Josh Hawley, titled, as I said, Father. Do you mm. have an alternate chapter title for us? Well? I do,
2: and it's. I've kind of been saving this one up, and mm-hmm. it's like, uh, maybe I did it already, actually. I forget. Um, I, d- I definitely thought it in a previous chapter. But it's like in the style of the way you know you'd say the arist- the aristocrats, uh-huh. you know, the aristocrats. It's like that. But the Epicureans,
1: <laughs> you know, he does in a way go through this entire book telling us that the Epicureans are doing all of his idea of what the worst There's things, like morally the reprehensible
2: things. <laughs> things. Yes.
1: If I could do a good Gilbert B. Godfrey impersonation, I'd uh, I'd pull that out right now. The that's mother all, was imagin- fucking the son. Uh, anyways, go. Well, don't Google the aristocrats joke. You probably <laughs> no, don't, don't. want to
2: know. No, no, but what's your what's your mine?
1: I have several path. as always. Oh, of course, you, do. you
2: know you need a good editor as always. You I need know, someone I to know. tell you which one is the best. I will tell you which one is the best right now. So
1: number one, fuck! I used all my good father material the last time <laughs> because we <laughs> talked about that as we were doing yeah. it. He really did, and uh, he yeah, had and there's nothing, nothing good here. in this chat. Tra-
2: yeah, is he really nothing like <laughs> blew his load early?
1: Uh, uh, second is, uh, son, attach to this email. You will find a PragerU video talking <laughs> about why you should get back into contact with me mm-hmm. and your mother. And number three, if I move away from home, I stop existing as a person. Mmm. Yeah. Uh, you'll figure first out First one was the best one. Later. I think first one was the best first one. First one was the best one? All right. Yep. All right. That's just because of your experience. Anyways, Benedict, uh, the, the chapter
2: depressing start to the chapter. I
1: know, and I just got a news alert that apparently uh, there's something. Well, I'll, talk, I'll I'll look at it later. Anyways, Benedict, um, it begins. Quote. My okay, actually, I I I, I texted you this earlier. Yeah,
2: I didn't want to. I should yeah, just that's... preface
1: before I'm going to read this first paragraph. But other than that, we're not going to read most of like the first three pages of this chapter because Josh starts off the chapter talking about the time his wife had a miscarriage. Um, that's... Yeah, I,
2: don't, I, I honestly, like, I don't think we even need to read it. I think, it, to me, it feels like, uh, I, I mean, I know he's put it in the book, but I, I just, I don't think yeah. us reading it out loud, it, like.
1: Uh, for for a gross piece of propaganda like this to include, we've talked about this before, right? He does this with all his little stories. They're all about trying to make you think that he's something special. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that, that was really, for me, about this chapter the fact that in this, what, three, four pages maybe where he's talking about the miscarriage and everything that happened along with it, mm-hmm. the fact that maybe we get two sentences about his wife,
0: mm-hmm. two
1: sentences about her in this entire story. Um, and it's a bad story, right? It talk, the blood and all this, and it's, it's bad. Yeah,
2: it's horrible. And you wouldn't want anyone to suffer through no, it. No, you
1: would never want anyone to suffer through that. But Josh... It's just gross that he put it in here. It's just really gross that he put it in here for these cynical purposes.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, and yeah, we can we can talk about it because obviously, obviously, that's very sad and that's not something that should happen to anyone that you would wish on anyone. Obviously, no.
1: But that does bring me to the first point I had for the episode today, which Mm -hmm. is there is, uh, and you know, let's just let's get right into it, and I'll I'll talk about this when we get to a specific point. So. He tells the story about that happening. And mm-hmm. then, of course, uh, they get to the point where they're going to go and have another child, and he's lucky, and then he's very happy, right? They they mm-hmm. It was successful the second time. No miscarriage. They ended up having a child. Great. Mm-hmm. Good for him. But he starts talking about what he thinks this meant or what he was thinking about at the time. And he says, quote,
2: Well, so, sorry, I, I, I should just say on that is that the doctor said that, you know, once— you've had a miscarriage, there's a greater risk of miscarrying again. And his big takeaway is, what if I can never be a father? Yeah. Because he sees that as a big defining future characteristic of himself Mm -hmm. and says essentially, like, all the men I looked up to were fathers. Mm -hmm. And then includes his own dad in that, which is a bit weird. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's, it's this weird, like how do I define myself outside of fatherhood? Like, this is something I've always wanted to be. It's odd. I
1: don't think that Josh knows how to define himself in the absence of, like... And it, it's a, it's a hard thing for anyone to do, right? To define yeah. yourself. Who am I? Like, you can answer with your name, but is that really descriptive? You can answer no, what I, you do for I, I, a I living, mean, but is that it, really in who the, you are, In right? the
2: absence of your surroundings, right? it's very difficult to define yourself.
1: And that's something he touches on, but touches on in a very weird way. In that the those surroundings, what makes you are static and cannot change, mm-hmm. is what he arrives at. I think is his solution. Mm-hmm. So he says, "quote Still, however surreal it seemed to me at first, in the weeks that followed, this is after they got pregnant the second time, uh, a colder reality. Or no, this, I'm sorry. This is this is uh, uh, before. This is the before they reason. get pregnant. Yeah, um, a colder reality began to set in. The doctors pointed out, in a regretful sort of way, that mothers who suffer miscarriages are at a greater risk of miscarrying again." And this is especially so when the first pregnancy miscarries. I distinctly remember stopping to ponder, and this is what you brought up, mm-hmm. to ponder this piece of information. It had an edge to it. What did this mean? That we might never have children? And yep. I, I'm sure that's the type of thing that people who have miscarriages think about, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But the cynicism of it all, with the way this chapter is written and the toxic message he is pushing.
2: Well, so so the message he sends in this chapter the basic thesis of this is you are not your full self until you've lived for someone else. Sure. Essentially. So that that's like he's basically what he's saying is if I can't be a father, I can't reach my full potential. But for him, but he, the only but he way f- to
1: live for someone else is as a father.
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But exactly. And more importantly, I would
1: say, as a biological father. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because he specifically says that. Mm-hmm. As well, like he he. The, there's a bit later where he's talking about crime statistics, <laughs> um, and no mentions of porn this week. No yeah. mentions of porn. Well, it's, I was very disappointed. It, yeah, I I mean it's stepfather you know. porn.
1: Still a father?
0: Fuck
1: off.
2: No, Kevin. Gay bad stepfather
1: Kevin. porn? Gay stepfather porn, no. by the way? Okay. It's even worse. It's even It's sure worse it acting. Worse yeah. acting. Also,
2: morally bad. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Not because of the... I don't know why
1: that is such a big fantasy for so it's many people. It's so weird. So it's
2: weird. like every... It's everywhere. Anyway, nothing... You know, whatever. Uh, do whatever you need to do. But that's... Okay, anyway, look. Man, the flustered. only thing I care about is how hot the actors are. Yeah, would you like to carry on? I've <laughs> lost my train of thought completely. No, we
1: had to bring porn into the chapter somehow. We
2: didn't. You did. <laughs> um, okay, so, no, what I was going to say is uh, he sees the only way as a man of, and I, I guess this is probably going to be the... Uh, the Thesis of each one of these chapters is you have to be each one of these in a certain way. So mm-hmm. you have to be a husband, you have to be a father, you have to be a fucking warrior, tinker, tinker tailor, soldier, spy, <laughs> warrior, priest, and king. Yeah, those are the next three. Um, I don't. I'm not quite sure how you do the last three, but that's fine. There's traditionally ch- separation between church and state, at least in some way, but there is.
1: And they're all their own subcategories of porn.
2: Ex- well, okay. <laughs> the it, it, as you say, it's just very, It the whole thing is.
1: Well, so I'm talking specifically some of the things he argues with. Well, the book in, in its entirety, right? We've been over plenty of horrendous shit he's basically arguing for. Yeah. But some of the stuff in this chapter in particular, we'll be pointing it out as we go. J- it's just insidious. It's just fucking but, insidious. So,
2: so this is the thing I was going to say. Some people can't have children that want mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So what does this, what does this whole thing say to them?
1: Uh, that they're not. You, were, they're you not will, real never, men. you will never, you will never be man. as
2: much of a man as I am mm-hmm. because you can't have kids.
1: Yeah, it is. E-
2: even if you may want them, which fucking sucks. Fuck you, Josh.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, and and there's something here. So going back to the thing, right? So I'm this this portion. He says, quote. As I look back on it now, I suppose what I was doing was learning to father myself. Picturing myself as a dad was me learning. This is talking about him as a kid, apparently. He fantasized about being a mm-hmm. father. Weird thing. I don't believe you, Josh. Uh, you dreamed of being a space pilot or a, a, a probably not a lawyer. No kid dreams of being a lawyer, <laughs> honestly. I don't know. No, when they would. find out about
2: the dad. Woof. No. Thank you. <laughs>
1: But whatever the origins, the dream of fatherhood took deep root, and now confronted with the distinct possibility that I might not be a father after all, that none of it might come to pass, I realized I had taken my childhood dream for granted. I had, skipping down a little ways, I had simply assumed that I could be a father if I wanted, that it was something bound to happen in due course, and that being a father was simple enough. Now I saw that there was more to fatherhood than that, more contingency than that. And though I only barely glimpsed it, more pain to it and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that stuck out to me there was all this talk about how, you know, it might not come to pass. And the fact that he's not even considering the idea of adoption Mm -hmm. is that Josh wants to be a father on his terms and his terms Mm -hmm. alone. And the fact that that is something that he explicitly wants to deny others the ability to be a parent on their own terms mm-hmm. or not to be on mm-hmm. their own terms. Uh, and it doesn't help that today is the day that story broke about the woman in Texas uh, yep. who had to flee the fucking state to get an abortion to save her life and have the possibility of having more children in the future. Uh, yep. didn't, didn't help my thinking on the issue with Josh today when I was reading through the chapter.
2: No, I can see why I wouldn't. Um, the, the other thing I would say is it, it doesn't really, it didn't connect in my brain until you were reading it out again. But he very specifically, and I think probably deliberately, talks about Abraham again later in the chapter. Mm-hmm. And it, it is talking about how Abraham didn't believe he could have a kid, but God willed him to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, God will will it if it's meant to, you know, if, if God has a plan for also, you. Also,
1: but remember last chapter when he kept talking about what a shitty husband he was? Yeah. He's no better of a father either. No, not really the one you should be using for this chapter. A- Abraham
2: who tries to fucking sacrifice one of his kids because yeah. God
1: told him to. Yeah. yeah, cool. man. Is whistling as he raises up the sword. Yeah, that kind of shit going up. So, continuing on a little ways, we're gonna skip. We're gonna skip a little ways ahead, right? Because we get to. They eventually were able to have another kid. They were successful. Mm-hmm. They had the baby. All that good stuff. They're all great.
2: Happy. Congratulations.
1: Uh, he continues in saying the wait was over in one sense. Uh, and, but in another way, if waiting means acknowledging your limits, if it means humility, my son's birth was just a beginning. The posture of humility that our baby's loss forced on me was, I came to learn, the posture of fatherhood.
2: Okay, nonsense, hold on. Nonsense. H- what? Wh- wh- one sec. Can you just read that again? Because what the fuck the, does that the mean? The
1: posture of humility... No, no.
2: In another way, if waiting means something completely different to what the word waiting means, if waiting means acknowledging your limits, no, if it means humility, means. my son's birth was just a mistake. That is nothing to do with waiting. <laughs> waiting has never meant anything like that.
1: It's something you, you can know, do. You know, if waiting, waiting but means it is not chowing, waiting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if waiting means chowing down on some cheesy bread from Panera, <laughs> then. Phew, <laughs> I am the most patient man in history. Wow.
1: With a Panera lemonade, of course. (laughs) (laughs) The only way to properly...
2: Yeah, then everything feels like waiting because the world is moving like at lights. The world is moving as if you're on the Millennium Falcon. (laughs) <laughs> yes,
1: uh, it is complete nonsense. It means absolutely <laughs> nothing. But he continues What the fuck
2: does that mean? If
1: waiting Look, man, is acknowledging your salad. salad. Don't Shut ask the me to the decipher word up. salad? Waiting. So much of this and this so going back to what we I feels like at this point we have speculated at basically every single chapter whether this is filler or whether this was substance. It's filler. This is a filler shit all filler.
2: If waiting means individual hairs falling out of your head and you watching them float towards the ground, then, well, yeah. you know.
1: <laughs> oh, God. So I, I did just get a news alert, uh, speaking of that woman from Texas, uh, that the Texas Supreme Court ruled against her. Um, Fuck them. Yeah, that's just, that's just fucked, man. Uh, anyways, continuing, he says, maybe you are a father. Maybe you are not. But it seems noteworthy that the first Adam story in the Bible we come to after Adam himself, the story of Abraham. Oh, God, is he just going to refer to every story involving a man an Adam story?
2: Yeah, he's been doing that. And I thought he was just doing it one time, but now he's done it <laughs> repeatedly. And it's very... If waiting means referring to every man in the Bible as Adam, then...
1: <laughs> Look, um, uh, a- Adam, Adam uh, is a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, men die. Therefore... Mm. All atoms are dead. You know how this works. Um, Is blah, it called blah, an blah.
2: Adam's apple because of the Bible? Is that oh, it? Is that, yeah, everything's probably. from the fucking Bible.
1: It, I mean, I'm sure maybe other languages have other names. I'm sure the Chinese called it something else. Um, I don't know. Something. But uh, you should Google it. <laughs> good, good one. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Now I have to Google it. What do the chinese call an adam's apple let's find out
2: in french it's it's uh the adam's apple Uh uh-huh uh german it's also adam's apple uh
1: okay this is just giving me translations of adam's apple to chinese that is not what i'm looking for uh oh here we go here's a reddit that'll definitely have the correct answer allegedly
2: in japanese it's a throat buddha
1: okay, I just someone on the Reddit thread said a throat knot. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Um hey man, they call it the Achilles heel, and uh he wasn't he wasn't Christian, so in, whatever in
2: Spanish it's Adam's nut, which I'm not sure about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not on the
2: curtains. <laughs> not on the curtains, though. No, <laughs> They don't specify it's the left or right. Benedict, maybe you're
1: a father. Maybe you're not. (laughs) But blah, blah, blah. I
2: am pretty certain that I'm not.
1: Story of Abraham centers on fatherhood. That Mm -hmm. says something to today's America. Maybe this. We need fathers to confront the chaos and darkness around us. And we need men who have the character of fathers.
2: Abraham famously doesn't have the character. Like, what the fuck does Abraham do that has
1: the character of a father? Uh, offers his wife up to an angry mob?
2: Yeah, threatens to stab his son. Um, Almost does stab his son. Benedict,
1: father shit. What kind of house did you grow up in? (laughs) Father shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag father shit. That's
2: some real dad shit. (laughs)
1: No uh, so no Sunday football. No. The real stuff. The real stuff. <laughs>
2: Sacrificial lambs. Walking, Let's go, man.
1: walking through the desert, seeing visions. That kind of <laughs> shit. Real dad shit. But that brings <laughs> us... <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. The final, final sentence of that part. Many Epicureans these days want to insist that mothers and fathers are interchangeable or better replaced by the state who... Who? Name one. I mean, Name Joshua one. would
2: be better replaced by the state. I'm pretty yeah, that's sure. true.
1: The Bible says no. The mission of manhood is bound up with fathering. And that brings us to the first subsection of the chapter, titled The Crisis of Fatherhood. And he begins, We live, in, we live amidst an epidemic of fatherlessness. No, we don't. Um, okay, we'll talk. let me get finish this sentence and we'll talk about it. More children are growing up without their fathers than ever before in our history and fewer and fewer men appear interested in fatherhood. According to the Census Bureau statistics on families, approximately 18.4 million children now live without a father in the home. That's one in four children in this country, double the number since the 1960s. So, um, he is correct, generally speaking, that more... uh, uh, So, he cites to there a Pew Research article um, Mm -hmm. about... Uh, uh, and I think the article heats to is titled, uh, like, the U.S. has the highest rate of children living in single-parent households. That's the one that I
2: So, sorry, I, the, the word I take at you with there is epidemic. Sure. When I said, no, we don't. I think sure. we don't live in an epidemic of fatherlessness. We,
1: we do live in a country that has the highest rate of children living with one parent mm-hmm. rather than two parents. Uh, that is true. Epidemic, maybe not the right word. But...
2: Yeah, I mean, we also live in a, a very carceral society, which has something to do with the amount of people that have no fathers, is that we lock people up for no reason a lot of the time. Yes,
1: because you noticed there, he points out double the number since the 60s. And I think he got that number from another Pew Research article, which the, the point it starts from with its first numbers is 1968. Mm-hmm. And it started with, in 1968, 85% of American children lived with married parents. Uh, 12% live with a single mother, 1% live with a single father, and then there's another category which we'll talk about in a second, but is not listed for 1968. In 1997, uh, it was 68% living with a solo mother, mm-hmm. uh, 3% with a solo father, and that third category, 3% cohabiting parents. Mm-hmm. They are living together, but they're not married. Yep. I would argue that falls into the same as married parents. That's the same category, essentially. Uh, you just haven't gotten married.
2: Is cohabiting parents the same? So it, it, d- does that count Un- like...
1: Unmarried parents who live together.
2: That It counts that and not just like divorced parents who live nope. together? Nope. Okay.
1: Okay. Nope. Uh, I mean, they could be, but, it's, but you see why it's a similar enough category, right? Yeah. Both yeah, parents, true. both biological parents usually, it could also be a non-biological parent. That's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Living in the house with the child, right? So you got that. 2017 benedict 65 percent of children living with married parents 21 percent living with a solo mother Mm. four percent living with a solo father seven percent cohabiting parents right what happens if you move that cohabiting parents over to the married parents category where i say it should belong is you end up with a case where we are as a matter of fact not at the highest point of parents living uh, of children living without their parents in history, as mm-hmm. as Josh claims here. Because you end up with, let me do the math really quickly, 72% of children mm-hmm. living with either married parents or cohabiting parents in 2017. And in 1997, you would have 71%, which is lower. Mm-hmm. Get it? You yep. get it? That was the entire point. I'm quibbling over 1% just to it, point out it's he's wrong. always,
2: always worth it.
1: <laughs> That's what it really matters to me. But. So he is correct, generally, that more children are living, generally, more children are living with a single parent than uh, previously in our history. You Mm -hmm. brought up, of course, the war on drugs, what we have done to criminalizing uh, black men in this country, putting them in prison, taking them away from their families, that sort of thing. That is a huge impact.
2: Black men in particular, but not just black men. I mean, we just love to put young men in jail.
1: Yes, like. obviously. Uh, well, so, you know, if you look at the numbers, the highest rate of this is among yeah. The black yeah Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Black, uh, yeah, yeah. And then but, Hispanics yeah. uh, after that, followed by white and then Asian with the highest number living with their, their married parents. Yep. Um, so obviously, this happens to Hispanic people in the United States as well. It's not just black people, but that is. But black people at the highest rate, yes. Typically, where, yeah, exactly. So. Josh, he's not going to look at any of the reasons why that happened. No, no, it's just a moral flaw that's leading to all these problems, obviously. Not mm-hmm. enough people who love the Abraham story. That mm-hmm. must be why we don't have enough
2: My My parents, favorite so bit of this is when he went, oh, you know, people with one-parent households... Well, first of all, he doesn't look at single fathers at all, mm-hmm. like yeah. at all. If fathers are so important to you, he doesn't like that. You know, Benedict, we could spend it some time
1: learn. He's using some pretty bad sources here.
2: It, it, it would not at all, actually. <laughs> but then also the other thing is uh, the, the thing that really, let's say, got my goat this week <laughs> is. Uh, so he starts talking about poverty, rate, like poverty rates caused by single parenthood and single motherhood in particular. Mm-hmm. And he's like people with one parent are much more likely to live below the poverty line. And it's like, yeah, no yeah. shit, because yeah. you need two income incomes to survive less- in America. <laughs> exactly. Motherfucker. And then he's like, and then also,
1: poverty... I would poverty, like to point out, Benedict, that you are a dink. I know. You are a dink. That's true. Dual That's income, true. no kids. You are technically one.
2: I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dink cock, actually. Dual <laughs> income, no kids, one cat. <laughs>
1: New terminology we need to make official. (laughs) Ding cock. (laughs) (laughs) So funny.
2: Um,. oh again and then again it's like uh, diagnosing the problem once again but like completely for the wrong reason because then he's like oh and then poverty can be intergenerational and people who come from poor backgrounds are much more likely to be in poverty themselves i literally wrote
1: in the margins so close to understanding (laughs) so So close close to understanding josh you really are but you just walk right past it
2: can you just read that bit i've lost where it is but
1: Our epidemic of fatherlessness has spawned a series of related pathologies. Among them, poverty, delinquency, drug use, and depression. Children in homes without a father present are more likely to live below the poverty line than children in two-parent households. Here is another measure of the same phenomenon. Kids in homes with only a single mother have a poverty rate approaching 50%. For married couple families, it's nearer 10%. This poverty often becomes intergenerational. <laughs> See,
2: this is all yeah, like this. Some of this could be like Bernie Sanders level. Like, hey, if you only have one income, like if you take away the fatherlessness and stuff mm-hmm. and, and put in, if you have a one. it's. I mean, Elizabeth Warren wrote the two income trap. Like mm-hmm. th- literally like this could be an Elizabeth yeah. Warren speech yeah. minus the fatherlessness
1: stuff. He continues, he says, boys who grew up without fathers are considerably more likely to be idle and without work in their mid-twenties than young men with dads. Even I co-
2: don't believe, like, I, well, I would like shouldn't. to see the data on you that. You
1: shouldn't, because he says here, even controlling for race, age, the mother's education, the family's income, blah, blah, blah. This is from the Institute for Family Studies, the hate group yeah, we talked okay. about before but yep. uh, i I don't see any reason to even look at their study uh, methodology because you they can't be trusted they simply mm-hmm. can't be trusted and we will be talking uh, I, actually I'll just I'll just tell you about it now. so Benedict. Uh, one of his most cited sources in this chapter uh, is a guy named W. Bradford Wilcox. He Mm -hmm. is, this chapter's ibid, 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 ibid. He is the guy who's on most of this crap here if you look at the back of the uh, book here. Uh, So like all these studies from the family research, or not the family research, the Institute for Family Studies, he's on these things. You may also remember, Benedict, we talked a couple episodes ago about a guy named Mark Regnerus. Do you remember Mm -hmm. Mark Regnerus?
2: I remember the name.
1: You remember that Mark Regnerus put out a highly uh, criticized and just savaged study titled "How Different Are the Adult Children of Parents Who Have Same-Sex Relationships?" Mm. Where he argued, and I read you like his just fascist diatribe yep. that he put out, um, and that was just just crucified uh, to use their term uh, for being just shoddy bullshit meant to push propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, it was revealed later in 2012 or maybe it was 2013 that W Bradford Wilcox was one of the three people who had peer reviewed that article. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so that's uh, that's how this all ties together. It's cool. a bunch of bad faith dimwits all working Reviewing together Reviewing each other's work. Yeah, putting out the same propaganda. It's great. Yep. It's really nice. great stuff. Uh, but anyways, so yeah, uh, we got this all this stuff and it goes on like this for a couple pages. He's just mm-hmm. he basically just lists the same type of stuff And, yeah, there's a correlation between being without a father and also having these negative life outcomes, right? Being less likely to graduate from college, being more likely to go to jail. We would point out the obvious financial. You know what else it all all correlates
2: with? Yeah. Poverty rates. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It turns out. Turns out, Benedict. Uh, There's also – and I'll – if I remember, I will uh, put this in the show notes – Uh, There's an article uh, in the NIH, National Library of Medicine, you can go look at it, called The Causal Effects of Father Absence by uh, Sarah McClanahan, Laura Tatch, and Daniel Schneider. Uh, They looked at 47 different studies that tried to come up, you know, look at this issue of fatherlessness and what it leads to later in life. Uh, I will just read to you from their conclusions, one of the paragraphs it says, we find strong evidence that father absence negatively affects children's social emotional development, particularly by Increasing externalizing behavior. These effects may be more pronounced if the father absence occurs during early childhood than during middle childhood, and they be more pronounced for boys than for girls. There is a weaker evidence of the effect of father absence on children's cognitive ability. Mm. That will be relevant in a moment. Effects on social-emotional development persist in adolescence, for which we find strong evidence that the father's absence increases adolescence's adolescence risky behavior, such as smoking or early childbearing. Again, these are all things that tie to economics. Mm-hmm. Those are the same sort of yeah, things. Yeah, and he gonna, says that yeah. he
2: controls for economics, but I simply don't believe. Him. I
1: simply don't believe him <laughs> either. I simply don't because he wants he wants the fatherlessness part to be the the factor that is causing these things. He wants it to be causal, and mm-hmm. they can't show that because obviously there are so many confounding factors here that are involved in all of these sorts of things, but continuing with just the last bit I'll read here. The research base examining the longer term effects of father absence on adult outcomes is considerably smaller, but here too, we see the strongest evidence for a causal effect on adult mental health, suggesting that the psychological harms of father absence experienced during childhood persist throughout the life course. The evidence that father absence affects adult economic or family outcomes is much weaker. Which mm. is gonna it cuts against just a lot of the stuff from yep. the Institute of Family Studies that he's citing in here. That's why I wanted to get that out. So there is some evidence for this this relationship between fatherlessness and. Uh, but but as you pointed out, we cannot believe the Institute for Family Studies because they're lying hacks and frauds. Mm. And it's very obvious that these things also correlate to issues like race and economics. Yeah.
2: I know. I mean, also the other thing is like, it's really hard to be a single parent and like you're out of the house a lot of time trying to make ends meet, which means kids have to look after themselves a lot of the time. And that is when things can go off the rails. It's
1: when they get into some shit. It's when they get into some trouble. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah.
2: So it's literally just about having people around. Like it doesn't have to be a father. It's just like someone to be like, hey, put that down. You know?
1: Yep. So he talks about, you know, having a kid, they brought the kid home, everyone's happy, blah blah blah." Mm. Uh, and then he says, quote, "This was my life now." In a word, my life was no longer my own." This is often sorry, burp standing This is often a hard fact for men to accept, young men in particular. It is one reason they delay marriage and fatherhood and difficult life choices generally, but it is a vital place to come to. The true beginning, the Bible suggests, and Benedict, I, you can talk about these commas after I finish. Of significance, of a life that really matters. <laughs> the commas are bad, and the there's commas are too bad. Medium. The commas are
2: um, bad. What I was gonna say, what what, what <laughs> I think you heard me take a breath, and we're like, yeah. nope, wait. <laughs> 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 no, what I so what I was gonna say is a lot of the reason that people actually delay fatherhood now is because everybody thinks. That and especially, you know, like in, in cities, that they don't have enough money to be able to afford to give their kids yeah. a good life, and like you know, there's there's definitely something around that. Like the, the we've America has become a society where it's like you can't give your kids a good life without a six figure salary. Some and, and you know, that's not to say that you can't, but that's certainly the perception that some people have, which is. It, and whether that's true or not, and I I know people give their kids a good life with with less than that, but certainly for like people I know, they're like I don't make enough money to support myself and bring a kid into the world. Like they just yeah. don't.
1: And it's also for many people, it's a housing issue. They yep. said, because of the way our housing market has been fucked by private equity and all the investment mm-hmm. mentality that goes into it, there aren't the types of housing being made that are for lower income people to have families. You mm-hmm. can't—the the, the housing market in the United States has been—the rental housing market has been entirely driven either by the mini mansions of the suburbs, the McMansions and shit mm-hmm. like that, or two—one and two-bedroom apartment home complexes. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing there. They, they aren't making— like 3 4 bedroom apartments anymore you can't get stuff like that and for people, row houses
2: miss. row houses are a delight i come from a country of row houses they're amazing they're so much they're, they're lovely i mean you know philly has row houses and i love philly's row houses they're cool yeah but there's um, just
1: there's there's all these reasons why people aren't having children uh, yep. but he's going to give us a really dumb one a really really dumb one with another story possibly fake Of a call he got, I think he said it was a call, a conversation he had with a former student. And we've said it before, I will reiterate it now, never look to Josh Hawley for advice. If you knew him at any time in your past, you shouldn't be looking to him for advice. But apparently, he spoke, Josh, not long ago to this former student of his, who he'll call Eric, just to to Mm -hmm. save his name. Uh yeah, totally existed, I'm sure. yeah uh, but uh in his thirties now, been married for ten years, lives in Colorado, he's a lawyer, his wife is also a lawyer, and he's Josh had this conversation with his, he was asking Josh about what he should do, right? He had an opportunity to move for another job, and uh his wife didn't want to, and it's cause his wife, she wanted to have kids. Mm. But he wasn't sure. He wasn't sure. And uh he said, you know, Josh, he was like, Well, come on, you go ahead and do it. It's great, it's exciting um you know you're financially secure good job family nearby but the guy eric what he told josh he wasn't he wasn't quite ready quote it would require so many changes it would impose so many dot 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 limits Mm. (laughs) then that's it the
2: the boomer the boomer dot 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 will never i will never not think that's funny
1: (laughs) i think Josh thought he was writing a suspenseful paragraph there. Yeah. I really think that's what he thought he was doing, that he had some great writing going on. But yeah, he just, he doesn't want those limits, man. Yeah. Josh, even, he continues, he says, quote, in other words, he would no longer be able to live for himself. Fatherhood meant unwelcome responsibility. And hey, I'll be the first to admit, as a person who has no desire to have children, doesn't want to have kids, never will have kids. That's Mm -hmm. part of my reason for not wanting kids. I don't want to yeah. have to deal with other people's priorities. Mm-hmm. I have my own priorities and the people who I select to give their priorities some level of measure in my life. Mm-hmm. Kids, I i don't want to watch Bob the Builder. I don't. I just oh, wow. Don't.
2: I watch Bob the Builder now.
1: I don't want to pretend I'm interested in kid shit. It's Bob not... the
2: Builder, can he fix it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not this time. <laughs> How do we well, this, how 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 how's Bob going to get time out of this? It's a gas main it blows up
1: an apartment <laughs> complex. It's brutal. It's brutal. The special effects were amazing. <laughs> but no, uh, pretty dumb idea. I kind of doubt that's why most people are not having kids these mm-hmm. days. Uh, it's probably a I'm also not
2: even idea. sure if it's why Eric isn't having kids no. to be honest I, like, I'm he's... not sure
1: whether Eric exists or not, <laughs> yeah, to be honest the, the number of convenient uh, stories involving other people whose names have been redacted yeah um, sort of suspicious sort of mm. suspicious in the, yeah. how it always happens that there's just a perfect anecdote to fit yep. into whatever we're talking about but so that brings us to the next subsection which is titled The Value of Humility and it begins quote The Abraham story highlights another aspect of the transforming power of fatherhood. Genesis says God made Abraham a father by miracle. What does this mean? It means he made Abraham confront his limitations. He made Abraham humble. Once again, that's not
2: what a fucking miracle is. It
1: means he gave him a miracle, baby. Did you not read the story, Josh? Yes. (laughs) He was 75 and his wife was also old. I don't. I don't know if they actually give the age of his wife. They didn't care No, about, but presumably
2: about similar. Kind of
1: but presumably similar. And he gave him a kid at an elderly age. That's that's the story. That's the miracle, Josh. Mm. He continues. He says, the thing about Abraham, the really notable thing, given the whole thrust of the story, was that he didn't have children. He was old. As good as dead in the vivid words of his wife. And at 75 when God called him and tell him it's impossible to Larry King. Well beyond the usual age to father offspring or strike out on new paths. Yeah, I was
2: going to say, I mean, Al Pacino, also God's chosen one.
1: <laughs> you know what? I think that might have been who I was thinking of when I wrote Larry King in the margin, Because all I imagined was a wrinkly old man and a baby. That was what I was remembering. Whoa!
2: God's calling me!
1: <laughs> By the way, okay, I... I live texted the Game Awards to you the other night last
2: week. <laughs> no interest at all. You, you ignored. You ignored my response. text entirely. <laughs> I
1: I texted you that Hideo Kojima has a new horror game coming out, and Jordan Peele is involved somehow. Literally,
2: literally, I, no interest.
1: I texted you the entire way through. I texted you that Idris Elba lost. Mm. Uh, it was yeah. I just but. Uh, that doesn't matter because last year's Game Awards, Al Pacino presented an award, and he had no fucking clue what he was doing there. Excellent. He was just invited celebrity guest. Amazing. Just there to be famous and be on stage. Love that. that. was an entire reason for being there. Great. There were, there were some celebrities this year who clearly liked no games. They played games. Um, I forget his name, but the actor who played um, uh, Shang Chi, I think, in the Marvel movies, mm. he was there and he was talking about StarCraft. Made some decent jokes. It was very clear he knew what he was talking about. But uh, uh, Al Pacino, no, he had no fucking clue. He had no idea what was going on. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, the, the, you were right. Humility, <laughs> miracle. This doesn't make sense. Not word salad yet again. Yep. Another, and it, we just get like a couple pages of fucking word salad where mm. he's talking about how, yeah, I've been a bad dad. Cool, Josh. We know. We could tell by looking at you that you've been a bad, he taught, he has a story about how he was in an argument with his wife and his kids walked in and he was disappointed in himself.
2: Yeah. And he was like, I was arguing about something stupid to try and wind my wife up. (laughs) Like, yeah, cool, man.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know. It's like, what the, why? But It's your book, Josh.
2: I was focused on winning an argument, irritating my wife and making a spectacle of myself before our children in the process. Cool. Yes.
1: And uh, the whole point of that is to tell us that, you know, fatherhood, it's not about being perfect. Mm. It's about the... Uh, it's about
2: be uh, just being there, man. It's just about vibes. Well, it's about
1: it's temple building. We you, learned that in yeah. <laughs> two. Everything is temple building. I lost the argument,
2: and then I went outside and <laughs> built a temple. That's
1: mm. <laughs> Oh, God, if Josh's yard is just full of, like, those sugar cube temples, (laughs) like how I've talked about how you make a a mission as a child in California, you make a mission uh, out of sugar cubes. If his is just all temples, that'd be great. I'd be really excited for that. Skipping a ways ahead, he says, When God gave Adam his mission in the garden, he did it with a command. Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth, God said. But with Abraham, interestingly, God began with a promise. I will bless you, God says. I will make of you a great nation, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing.
2: God's quite repetitive, isn't he? Uh, It's
1: It's, boy, you know, I I pulled up like the whole section of Genesis, Genesis twelve is Mm. like the portion we're dealing with today. And I did as I was going through it, I'm like, wow, this is I will do blank. I will do blank. I will do blank. God needs a thesaurus. Yep. It's really like you, you need to dig out and find some more adjectives. And, and,
2: uh, <laughs> Omniscient, how God, how about learning some new words? <laughs> Omniscient, not <laughs>
1: omnitalented as it turns out. <laughs> but so Josh here points out the significance of the the use of the word I. And that, to me, like that was just funny because like, I don't know if he's trying to contrast for like the earlier times of the Bible where the word we is used. Mm. And if Josh knows that that is just because like um, there is no English equivalent of the word Elohim that Mm. is used for for God in that portion of the Bible versus other points where it does just use I. Like, Mm. I don't know if he knows that distinction. Also, like, it's very fun. I pulled up a bunch of different translations of this passage in particular. Mm. Because people who quibble about like, Anyone who does this dumbass analysis of the text of the Bible and tries to like display. Unless you're reading it in in Hebrew, shut up. (laughs) Even if you are, I don't care. It still doesn't mean anything. But like just from the various different versions (laughs) here, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. That's the new I New International version. Mm -hmm uh the english standard version and i will make of you a great nation and i will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and then my favorite one this is the one that really made me happy is it the king james
2: the king james is the best one
1: okay that's a fine one that is and i will make of thee a great nation and i will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing but the new living translation i love this i will make you into a great nation i will bless you and make you famous
2: And then I'll you to the ground and, and you bring be you a some followers. To <laughs>
1: Hell yeah! <laughs> I love that. what I thought was really great. I like. I don't know anything about the new Living translation, but I like to think it's the new hip kids version.
2: Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's the youth pasta. Yeah, version.
1: Abraham's gonna be the next TikTok star. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, so you know, not <laughs> much. <laughs> I will make you famous.
2: Abraham's gonna get canceled <laughs> on TikTok for trying to kill his kids. <laughs> It's like, sorry, deleting now. Didn't know he tried to kill his kid.
1: And then he's gonna have a ukulele song about how God (laughs) told him to do it. (laughs) None of this matters better than this chapter is filler. It's all fucking filler. The whole book is is filler.
2: This episode. (laughs)
1: So, yeah, this, uh, it's a contrast, he says, about the Bible, right? Adam Adam put himself at the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Abraham, well, let's not talk about Abraham because he tried to give his wife away twice uh, yeah, to avoid um, anything bad happening again, to
2: himself. Again, kill his kid.
1: <laughs> yeah, mm, uh, but let's not pay attention to that. He's skipping down, Josh says, we are not omnipotent. We do not know all. Neither did the people who wrote the Bible, Josh. Mm-hmm. And however appealing it may be from time to time appear oh, however appealing it may from time to time appear, we simply cannot live as if we are the only persons who exist in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like Josh really has a warped fucking view of the left. Mm-hmm. If that's really what he thinks the whole deal yes, is. Yes, I, I've
2: famously never cared about my fellow man. <laughs>
1: no, no, i absolutely <laughs> that's not, not.
2: That's not what we do at
1: all. It's, it's not, oh, I mean, obviously, as we know, it's the right who create mutual aid organizations mm-hmm. and things like that. Oh, that also, I went down a rabbit hole preparing for today because uh, the whole thing that, that uh, some on the right will say, and I think we've run across this in the past in some of our books, is, well, you know, Republicans give more money to charity than Democrats do. Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for tax loopholes.
1: Oh, for that, also, uh, there's an interesting article in Democratic Audit uh, mm. by two professors, uh, Michael Sanchez and Michelle Mar- 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 Margolis. I'm going to say that's mm-hmm. Margolis, like the actress, um, who uh, did a, uh, did some research on this. And what they found, not all that surprising to me, uh, is that the reason for that difference is that Republicans give more to their churches mm. than, than Democrats. Yeah, that makes sense. That That makes sense. And to me... Uh, (laughs) churches aren't charity, baby. That's not charity paying for a church to pay its rent. Keep the lights on HVAC pastor's salary. None of that's charity. It's Mm. a very small percentage of a church's budget that actually goes to charity, especially white evangelical churches. You know, those, those, uh, rock bands and light shows are very expensive.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: and you got to have that. Obviously we've all seen the righteous gemstones. Um, great show by the way i don't think we've mentioned it on the i haven't seen it i haven't seen it. it no it's, oh. it's very uh
2: in my wheelhouse i, I just love john goodman he's so fantastic yeah he is good i like He's him. really
1: amazing go check it out and um it's uh, uh who are the other uh uh god i can't remember half the people's names but he was at the game awards the other day because <laughs> he's starring in the new fallout series on hbo uh and he's fantastic um it's a weird name Okay. They, we'll talk about it at some point. After after the Fallout series comes out, we're going to be talking about it. Okay. We're going to be talking about it because it looks great. I'm right, very excited let's they this went the comedic answer. route. Okay. Yeah. We, we have two pages left and I'm just like, there's nothing to talk about here until we get to, okay, there is, there is something to talk about. Uh, we will talk about it now. So... Or Did we skip past? No, we didn't. Good. That uh, brings us Benedict. I'm just going to skip ahead to the next subsection. A legacy to last is the next subsection. And it begins, All men want to matter. The moral of the Abraham story in this regard is simple. If you want to build your piece of the world into a place of beauty, if you want to make it a little better, a little more what it could be, if you want to leave it a pla- Why all these semicolons, you dick? <laughs> if you want to leave it a place of excellence and opportunity and hope, Cultivate the character of a father. He's never explained what that means, by the way. He, no, no point of this chapter is he said what the character of a father it, is. It's being a dad. He, he's sort of vaguely waved at patience because he wrote that on a page once, and humility. Sure, as we all know, fathers are humble. That's that's the characteristic we all know fathers uh-huh. for, obviously.
2: Yeah, yeah, famously humble. Yeah, a humble mm-hmm.
1: bunch. Yeah, fatherhood in the Bible is not necessarily limited to begetting sons and daughters. I would say it kind of is. There's not Mm -hmm. much discussion of fatherhood in the Bible that I'm aware of. As important as that is, fatherhood in the Bible is an ethic. It is a way of living your life, sacrificially oriented towards others humbly. That is why the Bible depicts the virtues of a father as prominent among those a man must acquire. (laughs) And there's no citations for any of this. No, of course. course. None whatsoever. Why would there be? Skipping down a little ways. Uh, for those who fear that becoming a father means giving away the chance to do something meaningful to achieve something lasting the abraham story says this fathering is temple building Mm. i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna let that stay out i wasn't gonna let people think i was joking that that was in there (laughs) it is about constructing the most lasting thing one can
2: temples that's the most lasting thing famously
1: temples right it's it's there's something there about, like, levels of abstraction and mm. the way that many people will manipulatively, like, go to the highest level of, of abstraction possible. Be like, oh, yep. these two things are the same. I mean, come on. Dogs, they breathe. Humans, they breathe. Same yep. thing. Same thing. Look at this. Like, yeah, go to a high enough level of abstraction. You can compare any two things in any way you want. Fine. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, he does it uh, pretty fucking manipulatively. Skipping down, he says. God then says something arresting about those descendants, descendants of Abraham, Abraham's family. Your offspring, he says to Abraham later, shall possess the gate of his enemies. This is unusual language. Yeah, it is.
2: Like it's propaganda almost.
1: The the image is at first hard to conjure. The scene is of a conquering force battering the gates of the enemy's stronghold, about to overrun it. It is an image of victory. What does it mean? Um... You just said what it meant. You just said what it meant, Josh. Now you're going to say what it doesn't mean, again, at a high level of abstraction, so that you can try and compare the two and make them seem like they're the same. But what does Josh say it means? Well, Abraham's family were overcome their enemies. And who might those enemies be? Well, among other things, given Abraham's new role as the new Adam, they are death and darkness themselves. (laughs) No, it's pretty explicitly just talking about actual enemies, Josh. That's what it's talking about. The Bible, is, as you mentioned, Benedict, is, a lot of it's a work of propaganda. Because yep. people who are writing things have reasons for writing them.
2: Mm-hmm. Very,
1: very obvious reasons in many obvious cases. Obvious and specific
2: reasons, yes.
1: And God, I really just... Sometimes I wish that Josh was a biblical literalist rather than this weird new wave fascist Like, what could this mean? Like, yeah, yes. I mean,
2: I'd, yeah, it's fairly obvious, I'd say.
1: It would really just be nice if we'd have something to hook onto and try uh. and figure it out. Benedict, this is the part we've been waiting for the entire time, you and me. Seems like the part that you've been waiting for. Specifically. Yes, uh, because he says, what was true for Abraham can be true for us. A man's family can be a garden in the wilderness, a place of safety, of flourishing, where there is order and predictability and hope for the future. This is not speculation. This is fact. Researchers have amply documented that families with involved and present fathers are the greatest vehicles for human advancement known to man. Is that, that true, Kevin? No, that would actually be the Cybertruck. Hmm. <clears throat> Vehicle. Huh? Huh? Vehicle for advancement? Sure. Sure. Eh? Yeah. Eh? Uh, children from in tra- intact families with present and involved fathers have higher IQs, M-Dash, mm. Intelligence being, we now know, a developmental fact as well as a genetic one. So, Josh believes in genetic determination of intelligence. Mm. I didn't put those words into his mouth. Those are on the page. Yeah, And that is particularly troubling, is it not? Yeah. Because... That leans right into white supremacist talking points. It,
2: it, it's a hop, skip, and a jump away. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I get Maybe that, a
1: hop. I don't know about the skip yeah, and the jump. Yeah, I mean,
2: I get that certain characteristics are inherited. I, you know, I think that's, you know, I don't think that's inherently white supremacist, but
1: yes. I, I think, <laughs> okay, talking about IQ and then saying you that... You should just never talk about IQ. Intelligence is, is yeah. genetic. You, yeah. you you put those things next to each other, you're swimming with the white supremacist. I think
2: yeah, saying it things are genetic is You are not good.
1: sitting next to Randy Weaver at the Aryan Nations compound yeah. on a beach towel. Yes, yeah. It's yeah.
2: Gen- generally not great.
1: Yeah, it's not good. So, uh he, he gets mad that dads are mocked on sitcoms as you do. Yeah,
2: oh, but it's all the ones that are targeted at conservatives. It's <laughs> it, it's like Kevin Can Wait and fucking home improvement. Is Kevin and, Can
1: Wait or aimed at conservatives? Yeah, I I've never know. seen the show. I have I, no I, <laughs> I don't know. Idea. I presume it is. It's I know all the Taran it's Cruz all the dumb I don't know anything else um,
2: about it. it's all the dumb like uh Is it which which one is it? CBS? I
1: don't know. All the shit ones are on? I forget. I I think most of them are shit, so you got to be more specific. No,
2: but like NBC is better, generally. Generally,
1: NBC has has some decent shows. Yeah, I'll give it that. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But uh, I think he's going back further. I think he's going to like all in the family and stuff like that is what he's Mm -hmm. referencing. He doesn't say it, but I think that's more what's in his mind when he's talking about stuff like that. And I think there is some truth that a lot of sitcoms portray like the dad is an idiot or something like that. but Yeah, but first of all, of that's because dads
2: often are idiots. And sure. second of all, that's what America wants, baby. The idiot dad. That's the American archetype.
1: Also, there's always a smart child that seems to be a sitcom trope. <laughs> always of, the middle the child. Yeah, always. Yeah, the, yeah. the
2: middle child is always a, a genius. Yeah, something
1: like that. And... Um, God, I can't think of any other tropes. There's a lot of tropes in sitcoms. I just Mm -hmm. can't think of any of them off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that that one trope has Josh all riled up. But that brings us, Benedict, to the final page of Mm -hmm. the chapter. And um, boy, is there nothing for me to read here. Because he's going to end off the chapter just talking about bedtime Mm -hmm. with his kids on a football night. And I guess I'll read it for you. Where he says, quote, Though I must say this when it comes to fatherhood, there is nothing better than the here and now. The other night I found myself sitting with my younger son, Blaze, on the cat God, he's going to hate me. It sounds like a euphemism for
2: smoking weed, sitting with my I son, Blaze, on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do on Sunday night? I just sat with my son, Blaze, on the couch, man. There's nothing all day. i use that from that now on. That's going to
1: be my new euphemism. I just sat with my boy, Blaze, on the couch. That's what we yeah. did. <laughs> Uh, so the younger son blaze on the couch in our basement waiting for the kickoff of the Thursday night NFL game. By the way, Josh, you, you more than anyone know that the NFL is a lefty communist cesspool. Mm. That you shouldn't allow your children to watch. Also, can't I believe
2: know. he would pay for Amazon Prime, which is what uh, <laughs> what shows the Thursday night NFL uh, game.
1: I don't think they were doing that when this book came out. I know oh, no, sure they weren't. They've been
2: doing it yet. several years. The I, Thursday night game has been the I think it's uh, also on Prime regular
1: broadcast TV, though.
2: I don't know if it is.
1: I'm pretty sure it is. I'm I think 90% it used to sure be. I'm
2: pretty sure it's not anymore.
1: Ninety percent sure it is. I don't think I've watched a football game in like five years. Can, uh,
2: everyone that watches football, which might be a small part of our audience, <laughs> tell Kevin he's wrong about Amazon. Ben, Prime.
1: I'm going to go out here on, on a limb here, and I'm going to say we have a uh, smaller than average uh, football slash not your grandmother's book club crossover segment of the audience. That seems right. <laughs> <laughs> Just what do I know? Say, I think it's a little smaller than usual. Uh, it continues uh bu- 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 bu, in the basement waiting for kickoff blaze age seven is a sports enthusiast and he's he also the uh, a car enthusiast yeah. is that him <laughs> both as a player and a fan and football is at the moment his first love he had talked me into letting him stay up past his bedtime on this night to watch the kickoff and opening drive or at least that is what we agreed to beforehand as the fateful moment drew nearer p.m. Eastern for the uninitiated. (laughs) He began to bargain for a little bit more. Maybe kick off an opening drive and then one more series after that, he suggested. I resisted long enough to show some effort, but truth be told, it wasn't a hard sell. I loved this time with my son, seeing his enthusiasm, watching him reenact the plays he has just observed, jumping from couch to floor to armchair and back again, telling me all the while of his future as a Super Bowl quarterback. I'm bored reading this now.
2: Yeah, good parenting is telling him he probably won't be a Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah,
1: probably not. My older son, Elijah, came down to bring a book to read during the commercial. Soy boy, Elijah. Was <laughs> <laughs> the boys had arranged themselves on either side of me, and there we sat, the three of us. Blaze narrating the game, Elijah reading his book, his head on my shoulder, and I thought to myself, where else would I rather be? What else would I rather be doing? I don't know. Anything. Fatherhood may be a vocation of sacrifice. It may be a choice for the future. But it is also the best, most remarkable, most amazing now, in italics, you could ever imagine. I will bless you, God told Abraham. This is fatherhood. The end of chapter 6, Father. Was there even anything in there about
2: fucking fatherhood? No, not really. Apart from God told abraham he would be a father at the end as i said it was the last chapter was better as father than this one
1: true but uh, there's something i feel like it is hard to get across in our format to people who are listening which is uh, the way that we pick out uh, selections to read right i don't read the entire chapter to you i have highlighted portions that i read that the great mass of stuff that we don't read is just worthless babble repeating the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again is really hard to get across. So like there were like maybe three points made in that entire chapter, right? Yep. Being a father is about humility. Mm-hmm. Being a father is about building temples. Being a father is about giving for, for to others from yourself. He had, what was that? 12, 13 pages we just went through mm-hmm. where, where all those three points could be made in three paragraphs, mm-hmm. but he has paragraph after paragraph of saying nothing, not giving additional uh, uh, stories, no new anecdotes, nothing. It's just repeating the same thing over in different ways that infuriates me about this fucking book.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of books are like that, to be fair.
1: A, a lot of the books we read, mm. uh, for sure, that's that's definitely... The, have we been so ruined for books that we now... They're, they're all appearing the same now? Is that Possibly. what's going
2: on? Possibly. I, th- I can certainly boil them down pretty quickly into like w- <laughs> what the thrust is.
1: Yeah. But Benedict, uh, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash nygbc and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode. For patron only episodes, shout outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Bradley Adams, Brian Smith, Sam Walsh, Right Wing Cruelty Isn't a Bug, It's a Feature, Dan L., Jamie Fritz, Teach Peace, Dr. and Len Swin Wombly, The Ghost of Larry Nichols, Jacob Johnson, Dan Arizari, pause for the eh, 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 New Buildings Are a Globalist Conspiracy, Bobo D. Bear, why are you leaning back with your hands up behind your head? What are you doing? You're just I'm chilling in your chair as I read yeah. through the list? Yeah. Is that what you're fucking doing? You maybe sit here for an hour and a half reading Josh Hawley. Shut the fuck up. Okay, I'm looking at the time, and we are not even in an hour and 20 minutes yet. Don't complain. I've been uh, sat in
2: this chair for an hour and a half.
1: Bobo D. Bear, chilling. That's because we chat before the show. I know, Madeline and friends. Zachary Wilson-Fetro, Stephen Debo, Tori and the Gallant, Shadow Princess versus the Raptor Wolves, Sean Sullivan, Lauren S., Fatal-senator and the Lumps of Colsonator. Oh, Benedict, what art thou's bright spot?
2: Saint Kevin this weekend.
1: Yay. Flack Weasel, Sadie's Sister Wednesday. Kieran Gactor. Kieran Dackler. Sorry, I fucked that one up. Join us next week when our guest will be the 666th, 6th Sheik's 6th sixth, sixth Sheep. <laughs> Dick. Ken <laughs> Rose King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Clifton Stuckey, Pause, A Restless Native, A Baby, wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Solnier, Stefan, Mrs. Great Bar, Utah Outkissed. Yeah. This is what are you people do with me when you change your names and shit. Utah Outcast, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Baka! Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, <clears throat> Jay Reynolds, Stephen Ann, Cindy Nimick, Taro Takanin and Balls Waters. And thank you all as always for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, I don't know, call your dad maybe? Goodbye! Goodbye.